Welcome to Your Path to Nonprofit Leadership, the weekly podcast that equips you with the latest insights and strategies to propel your career in the nonprofit sector. I'm your host, Patton McDowell, and excited to have you join me for another enlightening leadership conversation. Now, if you're new to the podcast, let me introduce myself. I am a nonprofit coach and consultant, a keynote speaker, author of the book also titled Your Path to Nonprofit Leadership, and the creator of a virtual mastermind program designed to foster growth of nonprofit leaders like you all across the country. Now, whether you are a current or an aspiring nonprofit leader, my goal in every episode is to give you content you can use to succeed on your path in the charitable sector. Now, speaking of success in the sector, in this episode, we have a great conversation with Christina Edwards, the founder of Splendid Consulting and host of the Purpose and Profit Club podcast. Christina is a purpose and profit coach who specializes in working with ambitious nonprofit leaders just like you. We explore the essential qualities that effective leaders share within the philanthropic sector and how you can effectively grow and enhance your skills to better serve your mission, your donors, your board of directors, all with integrity, consistency, and clarity. Speaking of something I have always wrestled with, are you struggling with calendar management? Christine and I delve into why seizing control and managing your time is so crucial, especially in the nonprofit world where time is often at a premium. Now, she also shares some great advice on increasing your organization's visibility with your donors and addresses two common challenges that might be holding up your tactics, and that is lack of time and lack of funding. Christina's got ideas in both instances. Lots of reasons to check out the show notes for this episode. It's number 227. You can learn more about Christina and more about the great resources she has for you. Without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Christina Edwards. Christina, thank you for joining me on the path. I am thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, Christina, I'm excited about this conversation. You're doing some wonderful work in the nonprofit and I would say entrepreneurial space. You've certainly worked in both of the for-profit and nonprofit arenas. And and I would dare say those are skills that our nonprofit leaders listening now can use both sides of that equation, right? And that's what makes you uh, especially qualified to talk about what you're seeing and, and how you help nonprofit leaders in particular. but So let's start with that. You work with a lot mm-hmm. of them. You're coaching them. You're training them. What's the biggest challenge you're seeing right now? Anything in particular uh, jump out to you as you think about nonprofit leadership? Yeah, I think that the two things that come to mind are time and money, right? It's like funding, 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 right? right. We see giving is down, you know, and all the headlines, and it seems really intimidating and scary. And those are the two things, time and money. I don't have enough time. We need more funding. But really, I think what the biggest challenge is, yeah. is how they're thinking. So it's actually how you think about some of those problems, which I will I will agree with you. Those are challenges, right? Those are real problems. But how you're thinking about it informs everything. And I'll give you an example, which is many of us, including myself, <laughs> we have a lot of thoughts about doing our taxes, I don't know why, but about two months before tax, like before I talk to my accountant and give them all the stuff, I start the dread cycle. I don't want to do my, I got to find my thing. I got to start, you know, meanwhile, like it's never actually been a problem. I just dread it. 
And that informs my entire experience, beginning, middle, and end of the task. And so how we're thinking as leaders really does inform our experience of it. And then it informs kind of how we show up. So when funding is an issue, when time is truly an issue and you're overworking, how you're thinking about it actually can kind of burn you out a little bit more. So such a good point. And I guess I'm guilty as well. So you see procrastination maybe, or because we... We, do we get paralyzed? Are you seeing a lot of that as it relates yes. to raising money? So it can show up a bunch of different ways. It yeah. can show up as procrastination. It can show up as just thinking, well, I read that article and giving is down. And so now I'm going to go into that funder meeting with the thought good giving point. is down. Oh, don't do that. Giving may be down for some people, but don't decide for people if it's down or not for them, right? Or whether or not they like they're it, it's just su- it's just such a bad way to to kind of go about your life. It's like the the Achilles heel kind of dragging it in behind you of like th- bringing that to a funder meeting, bringing that to a Zoom coffee with a pot- yes, potential partner. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you're kind of showing up with with like Eeyore, like sad face, you know, and then no one wants to know that that doesn't really create that may create somebody showing up and making a gift one time. But that does not create lifetime lifelong giving like that Eeyore kind of kind of mentality. So well put and I'm picturing Eeyore and, and you're right, I've I've been in staff meetings or team meetings with the Eeyore leader, right? Yeah. And I guess that's another way this manifests itself, right? If if I am struggling, personally, as Mm -hmm. a leader, um, and, and well, I'm glad you're raising that because there may be listeners right now who are in yeah. fact reading these headlines. Yep. They're nervous, they're stressed, they're manifesting in every different way. Yeah. Uh, and of course I'm going to talk about how you though are helping these leaders yes. get through yes. that. But before we do that, let's talk about your journey. How did you yeah. get into this space that now leads to helping nonprofit leaders? Yeah. So I definitely have forever straddled the line of like working with nonprofits, working for for profits and loving that sweet spot. And the more nonprofit leaders I work with, the more that I'm like, y'all are just entrepreneurs. I get it. I yes. get it. Like we we are our biggest critic. We are our biggest champion. When it's good, it's good. When it's not good, it's not good. And so um I I love working with nonprofits for that reason. I I would say I really got my start when I started in PR and marketing agency years and years ago. And that is when I started working with nonprofits along the way. So we worked with big for-profits and along the way, I started working with these nonprofits. I'm like, why aren't they doing any of the strategies that are making these other brands so much money? We can adapt them and develop them to work. And so ultimately that's when I started consulting and coaching and teaching online courses and kind of scaling to one to many. And, and I feel like there are so many nonprofits. One of the things that when you kind of get into my world, I sort of push you to do is like, we got to We got to ditch the old way. We yes. got to ditch. We can take what we want with us. That's fine. But we got to ditch a little bit of the old way of how we think about fundraising, about how we think about marketing, about how we think about messaging, all of it. And I would say one of my sweet spots is because I don't come from a development background. So I'm not I haven't read the same book that you read or were taught to read. All right. I'm like, let's go ahead and leave that book on a shelf. I got a better book for you. Let's do this way. <laughs> Love the book analogy. Cause of yeah. course I'm going to ask you for book recommendations later. So delighted yes. that you're already, you're already getting that warmed up. Exactly. Um, what talk more about the old way. What, what old mm. ways do you see that you're mm. helping try to change? 
Well, we have a lot of innovation in the nonprofit field. So we have that. So we have people who are working for organizations that are maybe founding their organizations that are disrupting the field, right? And then they're also going, well, this is the cultivation process. This is how I have to steward new donors. This is how yes. I have to ask. And it's like, we can question all of that. There is not one right way. Yeah. I always say to my clients, if there was one right way, there would be one book at Barnes and Noble that would be how to make money for your nonprofit. There'd be one. <laughs> and yeah. there'd be one marketing book. You know, there's not one right way. And when you start to really believe that there's not one right way, there's the way that you decide works with your mission, works with your vision, works with like the way that you want to talk to people, right? The, the words you want to say, it attracts more people to want to be around you. It attracts more people to want to vocalize their support for your organization, fundraise alongside with you so you're not doing it alone. So it's just that idea of like the other piece that that is hard. I'm, I was, I'm like, we're not cursing. One piece that's hard for me <laughs> is, well, it takes this amount of time. I have to have this amount of time before I can do this thing. And I'm like, that's not true. And I feel like a lot of times it's get, doing a donor a disservice if you put them on some sort of standard schedule, right? Right. Like I got to wait till be, fiscal yeah. year end or my fiscal that's year right. end, right? I'm like, call me if you need me. Like yes. I might be the person who wants to help your organization. And because I've only given a hundred dollars one time, you've put me in a bucket yes. or because I give a thousand dollars once a year, you put me in a bucket, you've decided for me. And that's not cool. You know, <laughs> so there's a better way to kind of cultivate people in a way that, that feels good on both sides. Love the way you put that. And I've seen a lot of nonprofit leaders I've worked with. You're right. I think they, they kind of get parachuted into an organization and they yeah. just assume that, well, we got to keep doing it the way we've always done it. And yeah. so I guess that, I guess, restating your point, right? That are you often trying to break them free from you don't have to mm -hmm. do it the way you've always done it? Yeah. And letting them see, and you know, we don't have to throw the whole thing away because there is, True. I mean, listen, if your organization's at half a million dollars, you've got a lot of good in there that got you to there, right? But to get you to a million dollars, we got to be willing to shake things up. We've yep. got to be willing to shake things up. So we may start to inject one new strategy and then kind of develop as, you know, um, as we kind of layer them on. So it's not like ripping a complete bandaid off. Um, and like I said, like there some there, there's a lot that's working. It's just being willing to adopt some new strategies along the way. Yeah, well put. And again, uh, as much as we both would love to have that single book tell us the way to do it, every organization is different, every leader is different. And so you're helping them find, though, their path, if I can use exactly. the, the exactly. term I love uh, in terms of this podcast title, but with the path. Yes. But is that well? It, the cliche from the for-profit community often I hear is, mm -hmm. I, I wish my nonprofit could just act more like a business if they would mm -hmm. provide more kind of business uh, guidelines. Do you find that's true at all? Or are you helping introduce some business and entrepreneurial kind of mindsets to your nonprofit friends? Definitely. Okay. Definitely. I think I can't help it because, yep. you know, one of my very first jobs, I was in sales. And then after that, I was in real estate, which was really just still sales. Yes. And I think having that foundation of being willing to talk to somebody, whether it's cold or a warm lead, it doesn't matter when prospect about what you do in a way that you're passionate about, whether you're selling literally a, an item of clothing or a house or something like that gave me a lot of tools that I can adapt for nonprofits where it's like, 
being able to talk about what you're doing in a way that people are nodding along, they're leaning yes. forward with you. They want to hear about that. You're not annoying them. You're not hounding them. You're not graspy. You're literally just talking about something that you're passionate about. So I think that that translates quite a bit from the nonprofit to for-profit or vice versa. Yeah, so well put, because many of us have had experiences perhaps where Fundraising was an arm twisting exercise, right? Or we experience it from the yeah, other side. It can feel grueling. Exactly. Yeah. And, and we assume. Listen, that- I've been in the, <laughs> I've been voluntold that I was going to be on the auction committee for my kids' uh, charity fundraiser. I get it. Like, I know what that feels like. It's not fun. It's not good. And it feels, it's not good. And you feel like awkward and pushy calling the local small business to donate a thing. Like, I know what that feels like. And it doesn't have to feel that way at yep. all. Well yeah. put. I, I, I've seen you described, Christina, as a purpose and profit coach. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah, for me, I've really honed in my business and the and the people I work with. It's like this intersection of purpose, so that mission-driven, heart-centered work that got you here listening to this podcast, and profit, because... None of this works. Like none of this is scalable. You're not able to help many people, if any, if there isn't funding for it, right? And I have had organizations come to me who are very, very DIY, very much, I almost call them at the hobby level. And that is fine. But if you want to be a nonprofit organization that really accomplishes that vision that you have in the future, we got to make money. And we have to do it in a scalable way. It can't be like that crazy sprint at the end of the year that you white knuckle till December 31st. (laughs) Yes, yes. Right? And then January 1st rolls around, you're like, you feel horrible because you're like, I got to do it again. It can't be that. Like, that's not the kind of money I'm talking about making. I'm talking about the kind of money that grows sustainably and scales year over year where you make investments in your employees. You make investments to make sure we're not seeing like crazy amount of churn and burnout and that it's scalable so that you can put more people through your programs or services. That's the piece where it's like, we really have to put profit in the mix. It needs to, it needs to be thought about often. Yeah. And I love the way you're illustrating your coaching style. And and Mm -hmm. I'm sure this is the language you use in working with individuals. In fact, maybe speak to the value of coaching. I mean, what, Mm. what? What are you looking for in a, I guess, an ideal coaching relationship and talk about the, I see more nonprofit leaders, fortunately, Christina, mm-hmm. embracing coaching. I hope you do too. too. But yeah. I, yeah, I wonder if you could speak to the value of coaching, especially for nonprofit leaders. So much. So I think of one of my clients who we started coaching at the beginning of the year. And the reason why he's like, I'm ready to hit the gas. I'm ready to hit the gas, Christina. And I was like, oh, that's good. That's a good Like sign. He was like, I'm so ready for this to be the year we scale up. And for him, whew, that meant really dealing with a lot of mindset stuff around yes. asking people for money. It was, listen, his programs were rocking and rolling. He had social proof. He had years of, of, of this working. Yeah. For him, his roadblock was asking people for money and working through that. And that was a lot of mindset. For other people, they're rocking and rolling and, and they've 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 got a nice solid, you know, strategy in place for marketing and for fundraising. And it's just the next layer of like, ooh, what does this next layer of growth look like? I think that's what a coach does really, really well is pushing people to that like little place they're thinking about going, want to go, and feel scary, right? And so having some support, some accountability and some strategy, because there is consulting for sure in that mix. 
And then inside my courses, one of the things that I I started doing, so years ago, I built my first online course (laughs) and all of my courses are self-study, but I really started adding coaching to it. And without a doubt, people show up to the coaching calls. They are like, I don't even know what I want to talk about today. And then one person kind of raises their hand and says something and everybody is like, oh, me too. And immediately feels just like normalized and seen. The person that says they feel behind on X, Y, and Z, here's four other people say I do too. And then it's like, okay, how do we get you feeling back on track? So coaching can be any, any one of those things. Yes. Yes. And well, I'm a big fan, as you know, and, and have found value. It sounds like you have in the small group setting, we have some mastermind uh, programming. And so, but you're doing coaching both one-on-one as well as in that small group setting. And then they can do independent study with your courses, Mm -hmm. right? Exactly. So I, my business is split up in those two ways, primarily online courses. So marketing, fundraising, influencer, marketing, email, all those good things. In there, they do get some support with coaching. We'll meet up as a group, sometimes quarterly or monthly. So I like to go, okay, what is our plan? What is your next plan for Q3 or Q4? Let's get everybody on track and we'll, we'll go about it that way. Or they can say, you know, I've got this funder meeting. I'm not sure what to say. And then my one-to-one coaching is much more high touch. That's where we're, I'm really getting that comprehensive look at, all right, what 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 is that thing you want to achieve? Let's like kind of peek behind the curtain and see what you're doing, what you're not doing. Maybe where we can buy you some time back. Stop doing this. Double down on this. And ultimately, that one on one always like they come in for help with a specific strategy, help with a specific campaign, help to, with a specific goal. But we will always weave in the mindset because the reason they haven't done it yet wasn't typically a template they needed or a tool they needed, right? It was something else. And so that's that mindset piece. And you started with mindset. You're right. Uh, and that mm-hmm. it, you've weaved it in. I totally understand now. And I, I guess I know unfair question in the sense that there's no yeah. single answer, but have you found a sweet spot in terms of the time a coaching relationship takes? You know, that's a good, yeah, that's a good question. So I start everyone on four month packages because I want to make sure I can get you a win. I mean, we experience wins really within the first month we'll experience a win, but four months, I can usually get you an arc through a campaign, through a launch, through getting through some funder meetings, like whatever the milestone event. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I like four months for that. That's perfect. Um, well, and I'm grateful because you're, I know you're sharing some of your coaching wisdom with our listeners right now. In fact, I want to jump into something you yeah. and I talked about before. You think, and I love rule of three here, so you've got mm-hmm. a list for me. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about your three keys to effective nonprofit leadership. And the three, yeah. I think, distinct categories you've pondered. Um, talk about, well, I'm going to introduce the first one. Yeah. <laughs> Decisive, courageous action. Decisive, yes. courageous action. What do you mean by that? And help I me unpack it. I think the two words are like inextricably linked because okay. sometimes in order to take decisive action, you have to be courageous because decisive yep. action is not easy. Decisive action can actually feel pretty wobbly and hard sometimes. Yeah. Scary, so, right? Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. When when your staff, your team, your, your volunteers, your board or whatever is looking to you, and time is of the essence. You need to make action. I just don't, I don't actually only mean like in crisis and emergency. Sure, sure. But what I see a lot of nonprofit leaders do 
is kick the can further yes. down. Yes. Let's table this, right? Everybody's favorite in a board <laughs> meeting. Let's just table this. No, let's not table it. Let's make some courageous, decisive action. So that's really, really important. And I think what keeps people stuck is they think they got to research it a little bit more, ask for another opinion, just sleep on it, right? Those types of things. And I'm not saying be, you know, sloppy about it and just make wild decisions here and there. But it is, I like to give myself a time bound. So when I started my podcast, I said, all right, there's a at least a dozen different ways I can upload my episode to to the podcast feeds, right? Right. right. I could Google this for months, or <laughs> I could ask Just do three it. experts. Yeah. Their advice. And guess what? All three experts said three different ones. And then I said, I'm just going to pick one and I'm going to pick one today. Like decisive, courageous action. If I want to make a shift down the road, fine, but I'm not thinking about this anymore. And so those that, that kind of quick clip is really important. Love that and love the practical example you're giving. And again, that thread you have weaved through this of mindset, right? That mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. it's so much easier to just table it, right? Or just oh, yeah. keep going what we're doing. But Again, you're advising our listeners and these leaders, be decisive. Yeah. And yeah. and mistakes will occur, I guess. About to say. And that's the, the reason that, why we want right? to table it is because then we don't have to fail. Yes. Right. On the other side of of taking some a new action, especially, is that feeling of I might fail. Oh gosh, what if I did fail? What if everybody hates this decision? Right. What if I hear Thanks. pushback? Right. I get yeah. it. But nothing gained. If we're not going to, that's right. And we go and we still make the decision. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess related your second point in these kind Mm -hmm. of three leadership keys, you talk about evidence of forward thinking. So talk about what you mean by that and maybe what evidence you see of that. Yeah. I think this idea of forward thinking and okay, if you kind of zoom out for the year, is what you're doing pushing you towards where you want to be in five years, your organization's vision? Is yep. is are, Do the two kind of match up? Or are you stuck in rear view mirror thinking, which is, again, that sort of rinse and repeat of last year? I'm okay with you rinsing and repeating some of last year. Yeah, right. But it cannot be like word for word. For example, Giving Tuesday. We all, we all know okay, what a Giving Tuesday campaign looks like. (laughs) However, this year, your Giving Tuesday campaign cannot look like last year. We know that because if you do that, you're going to see a dip. We know that, right? You're going to see less reach than you did last year. People are probably in boxes or more full, right? So you're going to have to shake things up. And that's that idea of forward thinking. Okay, how can I position this different? How can I message it different? Who can I reach out to that's different than I did last year? What is that kind of forward thinking? Yeah, and I love that. And, and again, so you, you just can't be on autopilot, which sadly some of our I friends know. in the nonprofit space are. And, and I guess you're encouraging folks to stop, to 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 listen, to analyze, or mm-hmm. I guess is, is that w- for the forward thinking leaders that you see that are really doing it well? Mm-hmm. I guess they're they're intentional about that review and make changes. Mm-hmm. Or what what would you say is evidence yeah. of that? So one of the things I, I I like to suggest people do, I did this in my own business, was do an audit, like not just once a year where yeah, you're like, yeah. what the heck is my plan? I did mine at the end of May because that's when it worked well for my schedule, my kids' schedules, things like that. Yes. And I said, it's not, it's not technically six months into the year, but here we go. We're doing a Q1 and 2 audit and we're going to go vision cast for Q3 and 4. And I gave myself, I blocked out time. I didn't have ske- uh, anything on the schedule for a few days. And I just literally ran my reporting, which 
I don't love to do. Like I don't nerd <laughs> out totally on data, right, but I did. Right. And I wrote down just old school. I wrote down, what are some insights here? And I was like, Ooh, that's interesting. But how is this performing differently than I thought I did? Oh, okay. Let me do that. And then I like took myself out to lunch or out for a walk. And that's when I start to ideate and I say, all right, what do I want to accomplish by the end of the year? And that's the same thing a leader could do of like, what sounds fun? What sounds interesting? What sounds cool and creative? What have I seen a big, cool charity water style charity do that I wish we could do? What, what excites me and then go, okay, how do we do that? What does that look like? Like just dream a little. I think sometimes we get so far in it we forget to like step out of it enough to dream and in the ideating is for sure a cool marketing campaign that people will be attracted to. So it's, you got to let yourself have some space to be creative. That's where the magic will happen. Love that, Christina. Mm-hmm. And totally. in fact, it, it I, I have taken a similar tack to each year having a personal retreat, which sounds yes. like what you did in May, right? Where you yes. just, you have to unplug, you have to be intentional, yes. but it's a fantastic exercise. And I and I worry again that so many of our nonprofit friends that they're 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 burning themselves out by never mm-hmm. allowing mm-hmm. that kind of time for reflection. I can hear I can hear like when we say that, it's like I can hear an eye roll that's like, well, good for you two. You <laughs> are entrepreneurs. Yeah. Yeah, you, you don't have to, do you don't have a boss. And I just want to push back and just question that. Is it Thank true you. that you cannot take Tuesday and Wednesday of this week, block them out and take a retreat at home in your office and do this. Is that even like, are you sure? Can you do so it for true. one day? I, because here's what happens is, and this kind of t- talks about what we d- said in the beginning. When you don't do that, I swear tasks take longer. I come back from taking a two-day retreat and I work faster. I'm I'm taking more decisive action because I'm back on course. I'm not in a car driving around going, where am I going next? I'm very clear where I'm going. I'm getting there faster because I zoomed out for a second and I went, where, what is it I want to do? How do I want to get there? Who would I need to engage to help me? So it may seem like it's costing you two days, but it's saving you hours and hours and hours of time. So well put. It's a recharge, isn't it? Among other things, yep, you know, totally. just overall. Yes not only strategic in your mindset and all that. Um, but yes, well, you and I are certainly on the same page cheerleading for yes, carve out some time for yourself leaders everywhere. It'll pay off. Uh, speaking of mindset, your third yeah. of the three keys, you talk about inner dialogue. What do you mean by inner dialogue as characteristic of great leadership? Yeah, this has been definitely one of the more pivotal, pivotal um, pieces for me in my own business is just really I would say acknowledging that everybody has an inner dialogue, it skews negative and that's normal. Everyone has an inner dialogue. I've been trying to explain this to my eight-year-old just so you can (laughs) got to get the lay of the land sooner. It's like everybody has that, you know, and as we get older, the inner dialogue kind of can be really mean and critical. And just to normalize that, that's the first layer. And the next layer is you don't have to believe that, right? You don't have to like just go with that inner dialogue just doesn't want you to 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 have anyone say that was a bad idea, to have any campaign fail, to hear a no from a funder. It's just trying to keep you safe, right? And yes. listening to that inner critic, that inner dialogue will literally get you out of business. <laughs> you can't let that one drive in the driver's seat. Yes. Need another voice, right? Yeah. (laughs) Another voice in there. There was this quote from 
he, he was like a retired uh, ultra marathon runner or something like that. And he was one of the oldest guys to, to do this tri triathlon or something like that. And somebody said, how did you do it? How were you able to complete it? And it stuck with me. I loved it so much. He said, I talk to myself more than I listen to myself. Right. Cause here is Beautiful. the 60 plus year old guy who's running with a bunch of 20 year olds. Right. Imagine his inner chatter. Yes, what are you yes. doing here? You shouldn't do this. You don't belong here. And he's like, just talking him to himself through it. And I was like, that is, that's the secret to the universe. Right. Beautiful illustration of that. And yeah. you're right. If we, if we only listen, unfortunately, it's going to drag us down, I guess is your point, 100%. right? The exactly. inner voice. And so give yourself some dialogue that is indeed positive. Uh, Christina, fantastic. Three distinct areas, I think. And again, all rooted in a lot of the mindset, being decisive, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. being forward thinking, and making sure the inner dialogue is a two-way conversation, right? right? As opposed to coming at you with somewhat negative uh, uh, degrees. A yes. um, couple more things that uh, you have got some great expertise on. I, I think you are a somewhat of a guru in the time management and productivity space. Uh, I've seen a lot of your content and language around this, but are there certain, maybe a couple of keys that maybe you're coaching or you just yeah. in working with nonprofit leaders in particular that could help them, you know, be better managers of their time? Yeah, I think that, yeah, part of feeling like, you know, you're just working too much is true. Like, I'll yes. give you that. Yes, yes, there isn't enough time. And there are so many tech tools now that can give you your time back. So one of one of the couple things come to mind. Yep. One is, are you automating your emails? Like, meaning, are you piecemealing them one at a time when somebody makes a, a first time donation, that donor journey, any sort of welcome series happening that can literally be you write it once and it's automated. And if I make a donation to your organization, I'm put through a, an email welcome series once that you wrote three years ago, right? right Those right. are the types of things. And it, it's like an initial upfront to set it up of time and maybe a little bit of a learning curve. But you see a retention, such a higher retention when you put people through those things. So for sure, email automation and, you know, having some welcome series in the background is such a such a huge one. Nice. To, yeah. And really, I would say the donation tools is another one of like this idea of friction. So this is like more tactical. But if I go to make a do donation on your website, how many links am I clicking yes. before I actually complete yes. the thing? Right. And you might say, what does this have to do with time? But if you're seeing your donor retention decline or the amount of people who land on your website and never make a donation, that might be conversions, right? Isn't you, you might not know that number and that's okay, but I'll go ahead and tell you, it's probably got a lot of room to be better. So if I land on your website, I want to make sure that I am like just teed up and excited to make a gift and you can use a very, uh, there's so many different donation tools out there that do that for you. They use yes. AI, they do all of it. And so it's like, I always say to people, if you've ever gone to Zappos and looked at a pair of sneakers and then you didn't buy them and then the little Zappo sneaker ad follows you along yeah, around it, the site and it's like, are you sure? Are you sure exactly. you didn't want these? I mean, we can riff off of that with a better tech product. And there are lots of different options. Again, a little bit of an upfront lift to set it up. Totally worth it because why? You're being, your funding is increasing year over year just by having a couple of things automated and rocking and rolling in the background. Yeah, well put. And, and cost effective too, right? Christine, if somebody's saying, well, wow, I don't have the, the budget oh to do that, but these are not. Yes, you do. 
really yes, expensive, I'm, right? Yeah. One of my clients, I'm like, we got to move you over to a better tool. And they're like, yeah. okay. And, and, <laughs> and I think it's like for the, most of the time, the donor pays the fee for the tool, right? So you just pass it along and it, it doesn't cost you extra. There's no extra fee for it. And with this one in particular, their website is so outdated. They are, they are we're going to have to get a developer in. It's $500. I'm like, is it worth $500 to make 5000 Yes. Yeah. Like that oh, is a no easy ROI. spend. Yes. Right. Yes. Right, right. Totally. So don't, don't go, oh, well, we have to fight, hire a developer. So we're not doing it. No, like you got to go, go a little bit further out on, on that vision casting and go, this is a worthy investment. Two great takeaways there. Both, I think yeah, I could put in the reduced friction category, yes. right, Christina? That yes. It, it, what kind of friction is there to your email response mechanisms and how could you automate it? Because uh, yeah. I, I think sadly, many of us are burying those emails, which certainly is not donor friendly, right? If I, yep. I'm not responding at all, because I'm trying to wait for the perfect time when I could have had a template in essence to go back. And certainly I, I, I love your idea of, of a listener right now, go to your website right now and see how easy it is to make a gift. I think we sometimes miss that in 100%. our own world, right? And do it on your phone and see, Good did you have point. to like pinch to zoom in, you know, yes. and it, it, listen, if you did, it's okay. We can fix it. These are not, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars worth of a fix. This is a light lift to, to, to optimize, like to optimize that entire experience. So well put. All right. One more category, Christina, I want okay. to take advantage of your expertise on the marketing visibility, uh, things that you've done. It, it, are there certain things you see it may again, low hanging fruit, maybe that, nonprofit leaders could do to better increase their visibility to their various constituents? Yeah, uh, a bunch of ideas. One would be any kind of online fundraiser. If you have either tried that and said, eh, never, it hasn't quite worked that well, or you do that and it does work, then do more of them throughout the year. So don't just do it on Giving Tuesday. Yes. And if yes. you're in the camp where you're like, no, we've tried it and it doesn't work for us, then I would say you're doing it wrong and that's yeah. fine, but there's a better way. The way that I teach marketing for nonprofits is not about social media content creation. That's fine. You can create great content, but I actually want you to partner with digital ambassadors and influencers Interesting. And, and, and stakeholders and raving fans and whoever, so they can champion your cause and use their networks to boost you up. And that is really a great way if you're doing any sort of fundraiser, even a Giving Tuesday or any other, even events, if you're selling a, a, a tickets to your events, create a digital ambassador program. I teach this in one of my courses. It's called a street team. Create that and leverage their partnerships, their friends, their family, their community so that they can endorse you. Every single organization listening to this has that group of like, volunteers they can always count on, the yes. people who always share their things on social media. So it's about creating a, a system for them that it's very, very easy. And then bringing in some influencers along the way as well. Yeah, I love that. And, and again, I guess to to specify, I was going to ask you, how do I find my potential community ambassadors? But I, I just need to look at who is already kind of most active on my social yeah. media platforms, things like that. Right. Or I would just, I would say, who are the, who are the people that I know that I can count on if I call and I'm like, I need your help. They'll yeah. show up. Yeah. And that may be somebody who's a physical volunteer. So there's two types of ambassadors. There's the ones, and then they, even if they have a small network, that you're still getting in front of their network and they're talking about your cause and championing that way. And then we now live in a world where basically it's a board member, a friend, a neighbor, somebody that you know has a niece 
that has a hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube yes. or has, do you know what I mean? Like I always totally. use my, 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 my cousin just got married. His wife is an example. She's an influencer. Amazing. hundred thousand followers on it on Instagram. And I've asked her before, how many nonprofits have reached out to you to partner one, one ever. That's it. Wow. She gets all Missed the for-profit brands who yep. are like, we want to send you this, you know, right. Yeah. And yeah, so there's it is such an untapped revenue source, and um, it's 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 such a great way again to get outside of your bubble and reach people. Who you've you've got to have an alignment with your cause, of course. It can't sure, just be sure. arbitrary. Yeah, I love that as a cultivation tactic. You know, a tactic. In other words, yeah. Instead of blasting my message to my whole list, hoping people will run with it, you give mm-hmm. this group an advance notice, right? Is that's your... right. We run a little campaign with them. Yes, I, yeah, I see. Yes. Yes. And then they feel special and they are yes. more likely to ramp it up. And that's what I teach in Amplify Social Impact. That's that course of like how to how to do it. Yep. Yeah. Our listeners need to check that out. Because again, and, and one more related question, Christina, because mm-hmm. I, I hear from the beleaguered nonprofit leader, like, uh oh, and yet another social media platform. Yes. And yes. How, how do I, I, you know, I can't keep up with the ones I have. And now they want me to do TikTok, you know, or whatever. No. How, yes, how do you I hear it too. To I'm like, you don't have to at all. And that is not the secret to you growing is for you to figure out even me, I I was like, you know what, this isn't for me. That's okay. That's okay. Yes. But it's about partnering with people who have an audience on TikTok and a natural alignment for your cause. Maybe it's local, maybe there's a community driven component, right? Maybe it's national, it doesn't matter of, of having an alignment. And that's the point of like, it's the best news ever, because it's not about you creating a bunch of content and videos and this and that I'd rather you, it's like, sometimes I I picture a pie chart. And I'm like, if you're spending 80% of your marketing time creating content on social media, stop it. I want you to spend 80% of your time instead making partnerships with your street teamers and talking to them and helping them collaborate with them, right? On, you know, a a joint fundraiser together, anything like that. It's fantastic. And just a, a a sliver of the resources, Christina, you can provide. I know, could go on forever. <laughs> well, I, I'm grateful. And, and I'm going to tell my listeners right now, you need to check out the show notes for this episode. Uh, Christina will share in just a moment where you can find her. But before we do that, I want to give you kind of a closing statement. In other words, uh, you know, there are friends you and I both have that ponder nonprofit leadership, getting into it, or maybe they're mm-hmm. in the pipeline, if you will. Uh, final mm-hmm. advice for somebody thinking about nonprofit leadership? Oh, it's the best. Do it. Like the 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 the, the founder <laughs> the, in me. You is, remember is it. Ex- yeah, right. Is excited for the founder in you. Like 100% yeah. do it. I mean, we need we need leaders who are going to stay in it, who are in it and committed to it and who, we need people who are willing to do a lot of the things that we talk about, bring their own expertise, bring their own creativity, bring their own curiosity to the sector. And that's, I think, what will keep staff, employee retention. We didn't really talk about that, but just yeah, it's right. like we we need passionate leaders. We need you guys. Yeah. Well put. Thank you for that in a closing statement. And of course, you knew this was coming. And probably the hardest question I'm going to ask you is to mm-hmm. pick a single book of the entire bookshelf, I'm sure that is literally available to you. But is there one book maybe that's been meaningful to yes. you that you would share? I, 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 it actually was hard. I'm such a like, ugh, reader, yeah. all the personal professional development. Yes. Um, but I will tell you one and I'm going to tell you why I picked this one. Okay. Because my husband does not work in our world at yep. all. Yep. And I got this book. I left it on my nightstand and he took it. 
and he never <laughs> takes my books ever. You'll have different reading so lists. He, different reading yeah, lists. He, all no, the time? He, he, yeah, he's reading like Russian literature, and oh, he wow. took my book and he went right through it, and I was like, oh, okay, uh -oh. can I have my book back? So it is called Cues by Vanessa Van Edwards, okay. and she studies the science of people. And this book in particular for all my fundraisers, all my leaders of the world is like, it's like a hand, oh, it's like Cliff's notes of trying to decode everything from verbal to nonverbal cues and communication Got that it. that potential donor is giving you. It is everything from your voice, your intonation, the gestures, and she distills it in a way that's really, really approachable. And for him, he's leading a team and he found that really, really helpful and also maybe what he's gleaning from his staff members or how he's right. showing up to these zoom calls and things like right. that. And sometimes for him, I hear him. I'm like, all right, you, you, I can hear in your intonation, how you feel. Right. And so how do you hack that in a way that is actually helpful and helps you raise more money? So, and gets, gets you to know your people better. So cues, go get it. I'm going to do that right now, or at least I'm going to finish this episode and then I'm going to get it. Love that kind of book. Thank you, Christina, for that yeah. and everything you have shared with our listeners today. Uh, where would you like our listeners to find out more about you and the great work you're doing? So you can come listen to me at the Purpose and Profit Club podcast. Yes. I also have a freebie that might be helpful for many of your leaders. If you go to splendidcourses.com forward slash prospect. I take you through this this new way to think about lead generation in a way that doesn't feel like icky and salesy. And if you feel like you've tapped into your entire donor pool, I've got a um, free resource and mini training for you there. And then my website is splendidatl.com. Fantastic. We'll put it all in the show notes. Uh, cool. Again, listeners need to check it out. Find out Christina, where she is, what she's doing. You will absolutely benefit as a result. So Christina, thank you one more time for joining me on the Thank path. you. This has been, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm excited for everyone. Thank you for listening. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Christina as much as I did and her expertise in helping nonprofit leaders create magnetic voices and increase their organization's impact is truly commendable and hopefully gave you lots of takeaways to put to use at your nonprofit. Now, as always, check out the show notes for this episode. It's number 227. Go to the podcast page at patmigdow.com and you can find a lot of great resources that Christina has produced and, of course, learn more about her work and the Purpose and Profit Club podcast. You need to check that out as well. Now, if you enjoy this episode, please share it with somebody else who's also on the path. And if you haven't already, you can subscribe to this podcast. Just go to patmcdowell.com, navigate to the podcast page, and click on the follow button. By subscribing through that button, you won't miss any of our weekly episodes. They come out every Thursday. Of course, while you're on that webpage, you might want to explore the episodes button. It's at the top of the page, and it will allow you to Explore thumbnails of our most popular episodes or search by any topic or guest name. Thanks again for all you're doing in the nonprofit sector, especially right now. Keep up the great work for causes that are most meaningful to you, and I'll keep bringing you content to help you do it even better. Have a great week. I look forward to having you with us next time on The Path.